Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications to play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're back with a primetime recap and a waiver saviors for week 12 or Thanksgiving week. That's what we're talking about tonight. Of course, we'll have my heroes and zeros, my right and wrong calls later on. Thank you so much for tuning in to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can always check us out live on bellyup.tv as well. If you missed an episode, that's okay. You can download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices to find us on demand or... Download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Please give us that five-star review. It really does help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I, I for the second show in a row, I find myself having to apologize. So we're having technical difficulties over the weekend. We couldn't get the Cashing Friday show launched. We do have the Sunday Fun Day recap, and unbeknownst to us, we realized that on the other side of it, while it was all clear on my side, on the viewership, on the audio... Uh, that was like I was talking through a funnel. It was absolutely terrible. So we're better than that. I apologize for that for a long weekend of what just one technical difficulty after another. I mean, look, we all have we live in an age of technology. It just drives me nuts whenever softwares have these updates, how suddenly nothing seems to work right until you get the glitches of the update that was supposed to make better the product you're already using get worked out within themselves. And then you wind up having to start all the way back from ground zero and build it back up again. And that's in, you know, without going into too much detail, that's pretty much what's been happening to us this weekend. I am told, though, we are pretty confident that we are a full go-go. 
<laughs> no more audio issues, hopefully. And uh, we're, we're good to go on the video side as well. So hopefully from here on out with these new updates, we'll be fine and back on track to the high quality show that I work so very hard to try to put on every single night, Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. It is Thanksgiving week. And unfortunately, I still don't know exactly what our schedule is going to be for the holiday. Here's what I will say. I'm pretty confident that we are going to do one big show, one big preview for the entire weekend. Now, whether that winds up being tomorrow night, Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, or if it winds up being a Thursday morning special, thinking either 9 or 10 a.m. Eastern leading into Thanksgiving Day, it'll be one or the other. Make sure you follow us on social media at Show. We'll keep you up to date with what we decide to go with. A lot of things, unfortunately, at this point still up in the air. I would like to have it solidified, but we're not quite there yet. However, we still got the great show here for you guys tonight. We're always looking to try to get better. We still have to make sure we recap the primetime games to make sure we take what lessons we need from those two matchups moving forward and recognize some thumpers and bummers from those games as well. And of course, while I'll have my right and wrong calls, hold myself accountable heading into next week and trying to get better with the waiver saviors with three games left in the regular season moving forward. It's it's getting interesting. And hopefully, if you've been part of this show, if you've been hitting us up on social media at Billy MDFF Show and getting our advice and following our rankings on the BillyFantasySports.com website and following this show on YouTube and on the podcast app, Hopefully you're in position right now to at least be in the playoffs or in the mix, or even better yet, well above in first place and already planning out what your playoff matchups and players are going to be like. I do want to give some advice here before we dive into everything. Week 12 typically is the trade deadline for most leagues out there, most redraft leagues out there. So look at your lineups. If you're a playoff team, and you're feeling pretty confident you're either going to be in position to win a division or at the very least, maybe you've already locked in a playoff spot, which very well could be the, be the case for some of you. Look at your team. Look at your, look at your top players. Do they have good matchups heading for those playoff weeks? I'm not selling off guys to downgrade just to get better matchups, but if you can make parallel moves, maybe, maybe somebody has a player that has a bye week coming up and they can't afford it because they're already in playoff mode now, and you can because you're already locked in your playoff spot, and they have a great schedule for the playoffs, weeks 15, 16, and 17, making unilateral value moves in those instances may make sense. So here's what I want you guys all to do. Make sure you go through your, go through your teams in your league. Go through each and every one. Look at what players everybody has. Look at what everybody's situation is. See if there's something you could take advantage of. See if there's something you could trade. I don't know. Say maybe a Josh Jacobs who has a terrible schedule in the playoffs for a unilateral move for a player of of equal or about equal value with a much better schedule for those 15, 16, 17 weeks. Same thing goes for your wide receivers. Look at your team. Look what your matchups are and see what kind of moves you can make in that sense. It might make all the difference in the world, especially if you're in that position. Now, if you're in playoff mode now, kind of going the other way, if you have bye weeks coming up and you're like, look, I can't afford to lose a game here, you may need to trade those players if they have a bye in week 13 and 14, if it means you may not make the playoffs because you don't have a player of that caliber available in your lineups. It all depends on what situation you're in. Look, And if you're in that situation, you're like, well, I have a player, kind of like I talked about, who has a bye week, but... I love his playoff matchups. Well, it doesn't really matter unless you make it. And maybe if you wind up being the guy who takes that player, like at the Josh Jacobs, who has a tough schedule for the playoffs, but he very well could help you get in, that's worth it. Because once you're in, you're in. Anything can happen. Good players have good games and bad matchups all the time. It happens every single week. So don't be deterred by that. Do what you have to do to get into the playoffs because anything can happen at any given week at that point. So those are the two strategies I want to lay out for teams depending upon what your situation is. And look, the third one that nobody ever really wants to talk about, if you're in a situation where you're you're probably not going to make the postseason, you're going to be one of the last place teams, keep being aggressive. Keep trying to win. Not just for the integrity of the league, but 
look at it this way. Maybe you being able to pull off a couple of upsets over the next three games ruins somebody else's season. Take them down with you. <laughs> if you if you can't beat them and you're not going to be able to join the fray, try to take down as many people with you as you pop, possibly can. Misery loves company. And that stays true in fantasy football. So for the integrity of your league, to join people in your misery, do all you can do to try to win as many of these last three games, even if it doesn't mean making the postseason. And have fun with it. That's what fantasy football is all about. All right, without any more further delay, let's dive into our content for tonight's show. And let's kick it off with our primetime quarterback thumpers. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! I don't have any quarterback bummers, so I'm just going to give you these two right off the top. We did have two thumpers. Jimmy G and the Monday Night Game comes away with four touchdowns. He's been somebody we've been streaming and ranking just inside our top 12 as a low-end QB1. And four touchdowns against Arizona. He has put up that kind of production in a while. But Jimmy G just showing you, look, he has a safe floor week in and week out with this offense, with these weapons, and one of the easiest schedules from here on out for the San Francisco 49ers, the quarterback position. So he's somebody you want to pick up and stream quite potentially for the rest of the year. He's not going to win you any leagues, but if you just need somebody like, hey, you know what? The quarterback I lean on here to try to give me a ceiling in certain matchups doesn't have a good one. I could play Jimmy G and know that I got to say floor every single week. And he came through in this one with a big thumper performance in Mexico City. And then our number one thumper of the week when it comes to the primetime games course of Patrick Mahomes. Even with wide receivers dropping like flies all around him, all he needs is Travis Kelsey. It goes for 300 yards and three touchdowns regardless of what weapons he does or does not have in that game against the Chargers. Mahomes is just as safe as they come and playing some of his best football at late here in the season in money time. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Kind of similar situation to the quarterbacks. I don't have any running back bummers for the primetime games. We had some guys that, you know, like Christian McCaffrey, like maybe he didn't have as good of a game as you were hoping for, but he still got damn near almost 100 yards from scrimmage. So I'm like, all right, well, you're not really a bummer. James Conner scored a touchdown, so he's not a bummer, but they weren't thumpers either. The guys who were thumpers this week... We have Austin Eckler, because he gets 83 yards and a touchdown. And it wasn't like a huge thumper a week, but got the job done, performed like an RB1. And then Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Odellaire out of the way. We'll talk more about that later. But he goes over 100 yards for the first time in his career. And maybe now with Clyde Odellaire out of the way, and this becoming officially a two-man committee for the foreseeable future, because Odellaire has a high ankle sprain, maybe he'll start finding the end zone sometime soon, too. Something he has not done, really, yet this season. But both these guys were nice plays here. And when it was a rough week, really, for running back in general in scoring. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! I don't know how many guys played him because, well, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both back in the lineup. And we were only playing Josh Palmer when one of those two were out. Well, Mike Williams winds up getting hurt again, re-aggravating his ankle injury early in this game. And Josh Palmer, of course, the week that most people probably didn't play him, has his best game of the season, going for two touchdowns on 100 yards. Just kind of remind you that with this offense, with the volume that they have, the passing game, if Palmer's going to get significant playing time, he's still a guy you can consider. And who knows, maybe him getting to play the Mike Williams role with a Keenan Allen out there is the key to unlock his skill set. It's, it's possible. It's completely possible. We'll have to see it here moving forward. There's a real chance he'll be back to getting significant playing time because we would suspect Mike Williams may miss some time. We'll talk more about that later on. But Josh Palmer with the big week. And then our number two thumper, Debo Samuel. Welcome back to Fantasy Relevancy. Finally got involved in this game. Actually gets a big-time 39-yard rushing touchdown along with nine targets. Finally, he showed he had a pulse. We'll talk more about him and what I think you should be doing with Debo Samuel moving forward. But at least finally, if you had him in your lineups and 
you know, I was, I was moving him down lower and lower. I saw him as a low-end wide receiver too, but we were getting to the point where I wasn't sure how much we could play him even and trust the production. But he came through for you if you stuck with your faith and your guns here. Wide receiver bummers. This one's not necessarily his fault because he got hurt so early on. But Rondale Moore, it was a smash matchup. The San Francisco 49ers were one of the worst teams against slot wide receivers. Moore had been letting it up, especially in the target share. And Colt McCoy showed last week he loves throwing him the ball over the middle, checking it down. Rondell Moore was in store. I had him as a mid-level wide receiver, too. I thought he was in store for a really good game, a great game, potentially, in this one. And for him to get hurt so early on before he can give you anything fantasy-wise, it's hard just not to feel bummed. Although I try not to hold injuries against guys when it comes to these lists. I just walked away feeling like if you had Rondale Moore and you're hoping for a Monday night comeback and thought you're in a good position to do so, that was a gut wrench punch there. And then our number one bummer is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, all these wide receivers are dropping left and right for the Chiefs, and yet still, Scantling gets one catch for 18 yards? That's it? That's all? You're supposed to be one of the starters out there. Oh, absolutely pathetic. And he was a guy that some people thought he could be a spot start given the circumstances around the depth going into the game, which only got worse during the game. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling just showing you why he is Nothing you can ever feel confident about moving forward. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! We're going to be talking about these two uh, consistently throughout this show, especially in the first segment anyway. So we have Travis Kelsey, obviously, hat trick, number one thumper of the week, and George Kittle. I was aggressive on him. I had him ranked inside as a top three tight end. Arizona, I pointed out, all they do is give up touchdowns to tight ends. And you know, George Kittle's usage has been frustrating, to say the least, is probably the nicest way to say it. He Even he scores two touchdowns and gets back involved in this game. And watch out for George Kittle. He's got a few matchups, like with the Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks coming up, where more teams, I think they even play Minnesota coming up soon too. Those are the four worst teams in the NFL when it comes to tight ends. So even though his usage has been hit or miss up until this point, with matchups that good, George Kittle could be a top five guy in quite a few games here coming up in the latter half of the season. So keep your eye on that. It was good to see him get back on track in this one. Ooh, I got one bummer for you. Tight end bummers. Hard to totally take anything out of this game with the Cardinals playing as badly as they did, but I know some people were trying to spot start Trey McBride with Zach Ertz out of the lineup, and four targets, that's not terrible, but four catches and 14 yards, and just really just did gave you absolutely nothing. Max Williams still played a lot. They kind of played in the, you know, McBride still led the way, but kind of a platoon situation as far as snap count is concerned. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Look, outside of DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner for his touchdown prowess and whoever the starting slot receiver is, and maybe we'll get Marquise Brown back next week, I don't want to keep trying to take too many shots with his Arizona Cardinal team, frankly, moving forward. And now that we know that Kyler Murray might not be back until after the bye week, well, we know that it's going to be checked down city with Colt McCoy. So not what you really wanted to see out of Trey McBride's first week back, although I will say it was the San Francisco 49ers, and their defense does not give up many points to the tight end position generally speaking. That does it for the Thumpers and Bummers. Why don't we actually talk about these games a little bit more in depth and get into the notes of the game. I know, I know, I know. What do we know? What do we know going back to that Sunday night game? So my notes for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers, first up, first and foremost, the Mahomes-Kelsey combo just can't, it just can't be stopped. It's absolutely insane that these guys just go off the way they do every single week. And Mahomes in particular, Kelsey's not that surprising to me. 
I thought he was I had him ranked as my number one tight end coming into the season. I figured he'd be the number one most dependable receiver period of the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill there. It's not surprising to me to see Travis Kelsey continue just to be dominant. It's who he is. And while it's not overly surprising to me for Mahomes to be as good as he is, it's a little surprising to me that he's as consistent as he is. Always expect big games out of Mahomes and an Andy Reid Chiefs offense. There's no doubt about that. But without the Tyreek Hill trying to find that receiver to emerge, and now with all the injuries that they've been suffering at that position on top of it, it's a little surprising to see Mahomes find ways to be as consistent as he is. But it seems like as long as he's got Kelsey to go to, he can make the rest work because he's just that good. Just that good. That combo just can't be stopped. Talk about the running backs. So like I said, Pacheco, best game of the year. Goes over 100 yards. Collider Jalaire early in this game. Picks up a high ankle sprain. So what do we know that we know from, you know, having Brian Scott on our show on Wednesdays and Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern all year long. We know that as soon as a guy gets a high ankle sprain, you're looking at a four to six week timeline. But with Collider Jalaire, it's a little bit interesting because if Isaiah Pacheco and Jerry McKinnon perform well, over the next month, a month and a half. But we already know the Chiefs were trying to sign Eno Benjamin. Uh, I don't know if the Chiefs are really sold on the idea that Clyde Zolaire is going to be a significant contributor even when he does come back from injury, especially if Pacheco McKinnon proved that as a two-man committee to be quite productive. So I'm not saying it's a given that Clyde Zolaire is never relevant again, but I will say there's an opportunity to be had here. And these guys perform well. I don't know if they bring Clyde Zolaire into that rotation again because it had not been all that efficient when you're going to three backs. So something to watch here. Pacheco is going to consistently be in that low in RB2, high in RB3, pretty much the rest of the way with some pop and plus matchups here and there. I love watching him play, too. Like, he's not the most explosive guy. He doesn't like have that like third gear. He has a first, second gear. But once he gets to that third level, he doesn't have that third gear necessarily just to run away from everyone. And he doesn't have consistent vision. Those cutback lanes, he doesn't always see them. He's so hell-bent on flying like a bat out of hell at the snap of the ball to hit where the hole is designed to be that he doesn't have really the patience and the vision yet. Could develop, but doesn't have that yet to hit some of those cutback lanes that could make him really special if he's able to see that. But for right now, because you're playing on a Chiefs offense, Pacheco's going to see five and six-man boxes consistently. So if he's going to see light boxes with the way he's running, Pacheco's going to be very interesting to me the rest of the way. And of course, Jared McKinnon, talk about full-point PPR leagues, he's the pass-catching back. That's not that's not Pacheco's gig, and Clouds Lair's out of the way. So McKinnon, a real flex PPR start almost every single week now, within this offense and his role being solidified. And then we get to the wide receivers. Kadarius Tony just doing Kadarius Tony things, which is always hurting his hamstrings. Apparently, it wasn't just New York that, that made it the issue. Kansas City, doesn't matter where he goes, Kadarius Tony's hamstrings are shot. He's a young player with 40-year-old hamstrings. <laughs> you just traded for this guy. He was getting significant work. We still don't know as of taping this. We don't know the severity yet of that hamstring injury. We'll keep you up to date on social media at BellyUpMDFF show as soon as we know more. And we'll also talk to Brian Scott about it this week as far as what he thinks. But if Juju's out another week, because that was a really bad concussion, he didn't practice at all last week, so it's not a given he comes back in week 12. Well, we saw Justin Watson play a significant amount. And even though Justin Watson was the big winner as far as snap count goes, Sky Moore was the more productive, more efficient wide receiver. And if Tony and Juju are going to be out of the way, Sky Moore will get to play his natural position at slot receiver. That would be, in my opinion, the most valuable fantasy wide receiver on the Chiefs, if that's going to be the case. So Sky Moore, who I finally moved off of, was like, all right, fine, this is not going to happen. Now, all of a sudden, due to attrition, whatever the case may be, he's back on the map. And we may be talking about him later on in the show when it comes to the waiver saviors. Spoiler alert. We go on the Chargers side, and I think the, you know, Mike Williams, yeah, he re-aggravated his ankle injury. Brandon Staley came out and said he doesn't think it's anything serious, but I would be surprised if he didn't miss at least one week, being a just aggravated right away his first game back. 
But the Keenan Allen thing has to give you some confidence. Five catches in 95 yards for a guy who's finally back off a hamstring injury has been bothering him all year long. And the best part is that he did not get reported as to having a setback in this game. Had his first full practice on Saturday, the day before. So now all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where, hey, we have reason to believe that Keenan Allen's snap count playing time will just ramp up from here, especially since he did not have a setback. And what he showed you is that he definitely was not his 100% explosive self physically out there. That much was was clear. But he's such a smart, savvy, veteran wide receiver who has such a rapport with Justin Herbert. You saw that come through at moments throughout the game. He only played three receiver sets. He was still third on the team in snap count. And yet, almost goes for 100 yards on five catches. He knows where to be. Justin Herbert knows how to find him. So as long as he's out there, this is why you play Keenan Allen every single week that he's available, and it has to give you some confidence about that. And then, of course, you have to mention Josh Palmer, which we did earlier in the show, the, the big week. Here's what I'll say. like I don't know if it's a case of, you know, and I watched this game, and it was he definitely seemed to be more naturally fit for the Mike Williams role. We've done nothing but see him play the Keenan Allen role all year long. Even when he's the only wide receiver out there, he still has to play the Keenan Allen role because that's the most important role within that offense. But if Allen can play his role and Josh Palmer gets relegated to the Mike Williams role, well, he seems to fit that role of being able to stretch the field. He seems to fit that much better. It seems to be a more natural area for him to operate in. So all of a sudden, our confidence in Josh Palmer has to rise up a little bit. Not to the point where I'm like, yeah, look, he's going to be he's gonna be Mike Williams for sure, for, you know, verbatim. No, 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 no. Not saying that. He had a huge game this week. It's just as likely he goes for 44 yards and no touchdowns next week. But I do think we have confidence to once again plug and play him into our lineups if Mike Williams is going to miss any time. And this is why you stick with processes. This is why you go with wide receivers who have some talent, at the very least, and high-volume passing attacks when the opportunity is there. Because it's going to hit at least 50% of the time. And while Palmer hasn't lit it up the way we wanted him to, well, he's he's had about good half his games almost now at this point. At least wide receiver three numbers. You can play him as such. And of course, Austin Eckler did Austin Eckler things and still came through for you, even though it wasn't a huge, huge day. Let's move into the Monday night game where the 49ers just completely blew out the Arizona Cardinals. And here's the big note for the 49ers. Everyone got involved. I wish this offense would go up-tempo. If San Francisco went up-tempo with these weapons, nobody would be able to stop them. They would be the number one offense in the league. Shanahan refuses to do it, which is frustrating. But in games like like today, where everybody got the ball, everybody got involved, everybody you want to see go off from a fantasy perspective, all the weapons that they have, all the money they have invested into this offense, you saw everybody get their fair share in touches. Just imagine you went up-tempo, what that could mean. It's not going to happen, but it's just fun to think about. In the meantime, let's deal with what we have to deal with. So George Kittle, big game, four catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns, six targets. He's a tight end one. You're never not benching him, or I'm sorry, you're never not starting him or playing him, and we know he can have win-you-league weeks like this. And like I mentioned, they do have some great matches for tight ends coming up, so we can expect more performances like this than what we have seen over the next, I would say, month, a month and a half. But you have to know in the back of your mind, it's just as likely next week that they go back to, you know, these certain guys don't get the ball, because other guys do. I mean, for instance, Brain Ayuk, who has been the number one pass catcher for the past month, he only had four targets in this game. Two catches. Just so happened that those two catches went for two touchdowns. So if you played Brain Ayuk, it still panned out for you fantasy-wise. But it could have easily not. Debo Samuel finally got back involved. Nine targets in this game. Seven catches, 57 yards. Then he does, does this thing on the ground. Gets three carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. Some end rounds. Debo is who we got to talk about. I'm taking this game, a Monday night game, Mexico City, that everybody watched, where Debo had a great game and looked like he finally got back involved in the offense. I'm taking this game, and I'm selling him. I was already trying to sell him last week based on name value. If you didn't get a chance to, now you get to do it and say, hey, Debo's back, and I have name value. 
what can I sell you for? Again, trade deadlines this week. I would look to move on from Debo. Because just like the George Kittle analysis, just like the analysis really for anybody as amongst, amongst these pass catchers with the 49ers, anybody can get left out any given week. It, it just, it's not going to be consistent for any one particular player when it comes to Kittle, Debo, and Brandon Ayuk. The usage is not always going to be there for everybody. I mean, this is the first game we've seen where everyone kind of got a fair share. doesn't happen very often. So I would use this opportunity to try to trade Debo Samuel for, say, like a T. Higgins. I know Jamar Chase is going to be on his way back, but even T. Higgins as the 1B to Jamar Chase's 1A the rest of the way, with the way Cincinnati's playing and, and the, the high-volume pass attack that they have going on with Joe Burrow right now, I'd rather have a guy like a T. Higgins. I think you can get that deal done. Certain things to kind of look at when it comes to Debo Samuel. My suggestion would be to try to sell him, if you can, for equal or a package deal for more value. Whatever the case, whatever shape or form that takes. Something to kind of keep in mind. On the running back side, I think people, if you just look at the box score and you you miss the game, and you're going to see, oh, two weeks in a row now, uh uh-oh, that Elijah Mitchell out-carried Christian McCaffrey, uh uh-oh. For those of you who did not see the game and you're just looking at the box score, Mitchell didn't even have his first carry until it was about two minutes left in the half. McCaffrey completely dominated snaps and when the game script was in a neutral-ish game script. Now, when the 49ers pulled away in the second half, then it was the Elijah Mitchell show. Because, well, we don't want to get McCaffrey hurt, and they pretty much dominated this game. I'll also mention this. While he only had seven carries for 39 yards, McCaffrey still had seven targets, seven catches for 67 yards. Remember the people who were worried that Christian McCaffrey was not going to get the same pass-catching work that he was getting in Carolina? Well, since he's become the starter in San Francisco three games now, he hasn't had less than six targets. He's part of this passing offense. His skill set transcends the usage the 49ers used to have for their backfield. So that's why I'm not worried about it. And in games which are more competitive or more high scoring, you'll see McCaffrey outsnap out and dominate the touches when it comes to Elijah Mitchell. That's what we've been fed now the last two weeks. The 49ers are up on top and they can just kind of milk it out in the second half. It'll be Mitchell time because they don't want to overuse McCaffrey. Ultimately, still got 14 touches in this game. Ultimately, still got over 100 yards from scrimmage in this game. If you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues in particular, I don't see how you can complain about the McCaffrey usage in this one. And this was probably a floor game for him moving forward. And of course, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a streaming option. He's the top 12 quarterback most weeks. On the Cardinals side of the ball, I don't know if Kyler Murray playing today would have been any better. DeAndre Hopkins still got the ball. So you're good about that. Connor got his touchdown, and that's... All you're hoping for there, too. because he's become, he's become a touchdown-dependent, you know, high-end RB3 type of guy. But the big thing, and I mentioned earlier in the show, Rondale Moore, he goes down with a groin injury. He steps in. Greg Dortch, he's back. Greg Dortch is back. Marquise Brown might be back next week. In fact, there's probably a decent chance that he is. But he's not going to play the slot. No, 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 no. Marquise Brown's going to knock it out to the outside. Play where the Anderson and A.J. Green typically play for the most part. They might move him inside every once in a while, but, I mean, really, the only receiver they like to move around a little bit inside is DeAndre. And even him, he's still usually relegated to perimeter himself, even though he can be a featured guy. If Rondell Moore's going to be out, that slot receiver is going to be Greg Dortch. Even if Marquise Brown is back, I've talked about this all year long. Whoever the slot receiver of the Arizona Cardinals is, is a high-volume wide receiver. Who, at the very least, in half-point PPR, is a top-end, is, is a high-end wide receiver three. It's a flex play. If you're in full-point PPR, you might be, might be more of a wide receiver two. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's consistently getting double-digit targets, consistently getting eight to nine catches. And it doesn't really matter if it's Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy. This offense is just built on getting the ball in the middle of the field. So Rondell Moore is going to miss time. Even with Marquise Brown back, Greg Dorch could be a sneaky little spot star, sneaky little play. Something to keep an eye on here moving forward. That's going to do it for our insights of the game for the primetime recap. So here's what I want to do. Take a quick break. We come back on the other side. Got my heroes and zeros. And of course, the waiver saviors for week 12 coming up. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back. Right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. That way you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices to catch us on demand. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've got the primetime recap today, which we just did. Now it's time for my heroes and zeros. And don't worry, that'll be followed up with our waiver saviors heading into week 12 as we continue to improve. But first... We have to hold ourselves accountable, something we I think everybody should do, and we do on the show. Dan's Heroes and Zeros. Zero, Let's start off with a quarterback zero. Quarterback zeros. It's been really brutal watching Lamar Jackson lately. And it's hard not to rank him inside the top five because, well, for one, you know what his upside could be. For two, what he does with his legs on a consistent basis makes him, you know, a guy that you're never going to bench. But he's kind of what Justin Fields was early in the season. Where, like, what he gives you in the legs, the only thing that keeps him from being a complete and total dud. But in the passing game, outside of Mark Andrews, even this week when Demarcus Robinson goes over 100 yards, Lamar's still just not that productive. The key, of course, has been the touchdowns have been down, way down, especially for Lamar Jackson and his marks of what we're used to seeing out of him. We're used to seeing like an above 7% QB TD rate at minimum. Now he's down somewhere around the low fives. That's been the big key, and this continues. It's, it's really hard 
to know what to do with Lamar Jackson. I know some of you have asked questions to me before about him and Justin Fields. Now, of course, we got the Fields injury that we're going to have to worry about and keep our eye on. One does have to beg to wonder, and every time I've been asked that question, I've said Lamar Jackson, rest of season at the very least, because the schedule for the Ravens is much easier, actually, when it comes to the fantasy playoffs than it is for Justin Fields. But the, the passing limitedness, especially in the red zone, maybe once they get a good running game and the play action is more effective as a result with Augusta Edwards coming back, let's say, maybe some things will change. But unless it gets more efficient, I don't know if Lamar is the top five quarterback week in and week out that you wanted him to be, and he wasn't this week. So it was a wrong call by me. Quarterback heroes. Speaking of Justin Fields, yeah, top five guy. Didn't go for, you know, almost 50 fantasy points. So God forbid, still just had a really good performance. Nonetheless, the question, of course, now moving forward will be, What's going on? And we had at first they tried to report his shoulder as a dislocation, and then Adam Sheffield came out and said, No, it's not dislocated, which makes more sense to me. I mean, we'll have Brian Scott on our medical professional to talk about Justin Fields' injury for our preview for Thanksgiving week. But I was thinking to myself, how is he day to day? I know it's the non throwing shoulder, but how is a guy who has a dislocated shoulder day to day? That doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense now to know that it's not dislocated and he's day to day. The only good news I can offer you right now, because we're not going to know more until Wednesday when they finally get out there and practice, but Everflu is coming out and saying, after he got the MRI done Monday, they everybody felt much more optimistic moving forward with Justin Fields, and they did on Sunday night. So they must have got some good news. They didn't say exactly what that good news was. We'll talk to Brian Scott more about that tomorrow, but at least for now, it seems like there's hope for Justin Fields continuing to move forward. Quarterback zeros. Kirk Cousins, our number one zero of the week. Ugh. I consistently rank him inside the top 10. And yes, it was a tough match against Dallas. There's no doubt about that. But they had a tough match against Buffalo the week before, and he still had a good performance. Big difference was Dallas actually held Justin Jefferson in check. If Jefferson gets held in check, Cousins doesn't have much of a floor. (laughs) We'll just put that out there right now. Now, it's not going to happen very often. And no, I don't think the toe issue that Jefferson has is the the factor of what contributed here. I don't think that means like all all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, does that mean Jefferson's not going to be Jefferson anymore because he's dealing with this injury? I'm not too worried about that part. I'm not. But we do need Jefferson to be himself in order for Kirk Cousins to have the fantasy value of at least a low-end QB1 that he typically should have. Dallas played their best game of the year. Minnesota has been a very good team for most of this season. I'm not going to be overly concerned about this. So for me, Cousins is still going to be a low-end QB1 whose ceiling is based on the matchup that he's playing. But it was definitely a bad call here because he's one of the worst quarterbacks to have in your starting lineup. So my bad on that one. Quarterback heroes. I'll admit it. I didn't feel great about it heading into the week, but I did have Daniel Jones as the top 10 quarterback. And he performed as such. He did something he doesn't normally do. He went well over 300 yards passing. It was his legs that I was aiming for and, well, he took all the work from Saquon Barkley apparently this past week against Detroit, and that's what you got. This doesn't mean that Daniel Jones is somebody that you now want to play every single week. If anything has shown you this season is that he's not consistent from week to week. But in certain matchups, like games against Detroit, weak defenses, it seems to be almost a guarantee that you're going to get solid production, if not really great production, out of his legs. And that's kind of what we were chasing here, and that wound up coming out to fruition right on the money. Running back zeros. So Damian Pierce is somebody that I've been ranking as a low-end RB1. Because no matter the game script, no matter who they play, he always seems to get his volume. He always finds a way to produce, even in tough matchups. But the commanders, who have been playing much better defense over the past month now, just completely shut down Damian Pierce in this one. Does it change my value on him moving forward? No, it doesn't. You're still playing him every single week, but, oh, man, he lost people this week. There's no doubt about that. Running back heroes. Devin Singletary. 
Had him ranked inside my top 24. I was higher on him than the rest of the ECR, and he scores again. Look, as long as Josh Allen is dealing with this injury, I think Devin Singletary is going to continue to be a really big thing. James Cook really didn't come in until that game was ahead in the second half in particular. Naeem Hines is proving not to be a factor still. And Singletary, this time last year, he was a league winner. I'm not saying that's definitively going to happen again this season, but kind of similar to last year where they tried to take a workload off of Josh Allen's plate and get the team to be more balanced heading into the playoffs, especially in the colder months, even though this game was in a dome and it didn't really matter. Singletary's becoming more of a thing. And now he got a match against Detroit coming up. I'll have him ranked up there again. Running back zeros. Obviously, I wasn't the only one who got this one wrong, but Saquon Barkley being my RB1 to put up the dud performance that he did, well, I have to say he's probably one of the biggest zeros for me of the week in general. I don't know if I would have ranked him anything differently or anything like that, and it's just one game. We're not worried about this long term, but definitely, definitely was a bad call there. Running back heroes. I was hiring the ECR when it came to David Montgomery and everybody else. He's going to get all the work. Cleo Herbert's out of the way. That means Montgomery is getting those goal line touches. That means Montgomery is getting all the volume. Montgomery has only proven that when he gets this level of volume to consistently be a high in RB2, low in RB1. Every time. So until Herbert is back, that's what David Montgomery is. Start playing him as such if you have not done so already. And he was one of our heroes of the week. Wide receiver zeros. Uh, Whoops. So I had Tyler Boyd as a mid-level wide receiver too this week. Because there's still no Jamar Chase. He had been pretty good in his absence. He gets significant more volume. And really, frankly, seven targets is not too shabby. It's just he didn't do anything with it. T. Higgins had the huge day, of course. And now we're going to have Jamar Chase potentially back as soon as week 12. So the Tyler Boyd days of being fantasy relevant might be over. It was just a bad call by me to be that aggressive on a Tyler Boyd with this offense, knowing that. You know, sometimes just one or the other, even when it comes to that. And sometimes Tyler Boyd, even without Jamar Chase, is still left out. So my bad there. Wide receiver heroes. So this is kind of weird because he's a hero because he didn't do anything. (laughs) DJ Moore. I was 12 spots lower than the ECR coming into the week on DJ Moore. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out I was a low-end wide receiver three, and I, frankly, I didn't even want him inside my top 36, but I was like, just in case he gets you know garbage time points, I'll have him as a wide receiver three. But Baker Mayfield's going to be a starter. What have we seen out of Baker Mayfield? DJ Moore is not allowed to get more than five or six targets anytime Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback. So why was he getting ranked as a low-end wide receiver two for most people? I don't understand. So he's one of my heroes for not doing anything, basically, for being bad for everybody else because we were on it because Baker Mayfield's terrible. And thankfully, the Carolina Panthers are leaving it open at the quarterback position where it's either P.J. Walker's healthy enough to play or we could see Sam Darnold, which, believe it or not, might be a godsend for D.J. Moore, as pathetic as that is to say out loud. Wide receiver zeros. Yeah, I had Justin Jefferson ranked as my wide receiver one. In retrospect, maybe I should have came down on him a little bit dealing with the injury. I still don't think the injury was the end-all, be-alls for why Jefferson had a disappointing performance. I think the Dallas Cowboy defense just came out and dominated this game. I don't I don't think anybody was ever, even if Jefferson was 100% healthy, I don't think anything was really going to happen offensively for this team because they just lived in the backfield and harassed Kirk Cousins all day long. They just never were able to get the offense going as a result. So I'm not I'm not worried about this moving forward at all. And in fact, Jefferson, because they play the Thursday night game, he was listed as a full participant in an estimation report. So it doesn't seem the Vikings are all that concerned about his injury either at this point. 
It was, it was listed as a mild turf toe injury, but maybe I shouldn't have made him number one overall. And he did have a dead performance, so he is a zero for me. I'm not worried about this rest of the season, though. Wide receiver heroes. George Pickens, baby. I've consistently ranked George Pickens ahead of Deontay Johnson, and I've been right every single time because he actually has the capacity to score touchdowns. Whether it be on the ground, whether it be through the air, it does not matter. He has the capacity to score touchdowns. Should have had two in this game, by the way. Should have had a big game. And that big George Pickens breakout game, I think, is on the cusp of happening. What we saw with the Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals is a more apt game script of what I expect to see at the Steelers more times than not. Meaning, the volume at a pick is going to be there. Which means, we know Pat Freemuth will get his, but also... George Pickens, bombs, 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 bombs. And he's emerging and he's beating those one-on-ones. And he seems to be the only guy Pickett's willing to even throw the ball up to. So yeah, go with George Pickens all day, every day as a top 20 receiver, really, frankly, in my book at this point, and will continue to be as such. Tight end zeros. I only had one zero this week at the tight end position. And that was David Njoku. Look, he was back and he was playing. And yes, it was against Buffalo. But at the same time, tight end position, you know, selection gets gets scarce. It's scarce. So I think if you had David Njoku, you're probably playing because he had been a top eight tight end for most of the season. And better days will still be ahead. And they get the upgraded quarterback pretty soon with Deshaun Watson. But uh, it's probably too aggressive on him his first game back here in a tough match against Buffalo. And I that's my bad on that one. Tight end heroes. All this George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey, number one guy, finishes number one. And that's that I'm not, you know, we're not taking victory laps on that. But George Kittle, people who have been coming down on, I said, hey, look, talent wise, to my opinion, second only to Travis Kelsey. And the Arizona Cardinals give up touchdowns. That's what they do. Think Kittle's going to get left out of that? No way. And he didn't. He got two in that night. So our two big right calls are heroes there. That actually does it for our heroes and zeros for week 11. Now it's finally time to put week 11 to bed and look ahead to week 12. Waiver saviors. As always, when we do the waiver saviors, we take the players on average that are owned in less than 50% of leagues on the major platforms, CBS, NFL, Yahoo, ESPN, put them together in this list. We probably will add Sleeper next year. I've been asked about that before. Like, why don't you add Sleeper? We, we probably will next year add Sleeper in to average these things out too. But let's dive right into it. So our quarterback position, it's always kind of like, you know, light. And you'll have some familiar names on there like Jimmy G. 45% owned, and I think after the performance he had on the Monday night game, he'll likely be well over 50% owned after that. But he's he's should be available in some of your leagues are looking for spot starts. Marcus Mariota, I, I don't love it. I'm not going to feel good about any time I have to have Mariota in there, but because he can get done what he does on his legs, and he usually gets a passing touchdown or two in each given week, he's another guy who comes in as a, a spot start in an emergency situation coming up this week as well. He's 49% owned, so he's right on that cusp. But the big guy we got to talk about is Deshaun Watson. So the game he's supposed to be back for is the Houston game, which is going to be week 13, I believe. So we're about two weeks away. He's only 36% owned. Now, I'd, I've, I've brought this up many times, and I'm going to keep reminding people. It's been almost two years since he's played. I'm not expecting Deshaun Watson to come out and look like an all-world beater his first game out there. So you may not want to start Deshaun Watson right away. However, he is still Deshaun Watson, and his Cleveland team does have some weapons. And he does open up a whole new level of the offense, like as in big shots down the field, which really why I like DPJ quite a bit with Deshaun Watson coming back. Assuming he gets a couple of weeks under his belt and starts looking even 75% of what he was, if you've been streaming quarterbacks all year long, Deshaun Watson could be that league winner. He could be that guy that you pick up and you're able to play every single week in the fantasy football playoffs. 
So this is an upside play here. Not going to be able to start him this week, obviously, but you will be able to start him soon. So Deshaun Watson should be more than 50% owned moving forward. Skipping over the quarter, well, we don't have any more quarterbacks, so it's going right to the running backs after that. We got Gus Edwards and Kenyon Drake. Now, Gus Edwards, from what I understand, was very close to playing this past week. They decided they wanted to wait one more week, just give him a little more time off to make sure he's really, truly, fully ready to go. I suspect Gus Edwards will be available. He's only 46% owned. So he's actually out there more than 50% of your leagues right now. Check to make sure. He will be the starter over Kenyon Drake, especially now they've waited to the point where he should be 100% when he does come back. Having said that, you still want to have Drake as a spot start. He's only 44% owned if Gus Edwards again misses. While it's definitely hit or miss, especially if he doesn't find the end zone, He's still a flex play, a spot start nonetheless, and it's hard to find those guys on the waiver wire sometimes. The guy I'm really going after, though, is Isaiah Pacheco. 43% owned, and again, with Clyde Zolaire out of the way, this three-man committee just became a two-man committee. So the upside of what Pacheco could be within this offense now goes up through the roof of what he could be. And his floor, which I think in his case is more important, Because before, when this was a three-man committee, he could just as easily be left out of the offense altogether. And that happens, well, then you feel like you're just left holding the bag. Nobody wants to feel that feeling. Nobody wants that guy. That's why Pacheco's been added and dropped so many times throughout the course of the season on a mass basis. But now the situation's here where you can concretely be confident that he's at least a guy who should be looking at 12 to 15 carries more weeks than not moving forward. And we'll see exactly when or if Clyde edwards comes back into the mix. The other guy that's interesting, I don't want to get overly excited, but Latavius Murray at 34%. Chase Edmonds picked up a high ankle sprain. And in response to that, the Broncos decided, we're still going to cut Melvin Gordon. We don't care. After he fumbled the other day. So that means we're looking at Latavius Murray as a workhorse back suddenly with volume. Now, this offense is terrible. And just because Latavius Murray is getting all the work doesn't mean it's going to look that good or be overly productive. But when I look at Latavius right now, if he's getting all that volume, if he's number one back getting all the carries and actually getting some pass catching work too because they don't have many options to go to right now because they're so banged up. Well, I don't know if Latavius Murray is all that different from a James Conner. So basically you're playing, you hope he gets in the end zone. And he's a high-floor RB3 that you can spot start as your RB2 when needed. So Latavius now, he finally has some value to sink your teeth into when it comes to this Denver backfield. If you have Melvin Gordon, I wouldn't drop him just yet if you still had him on your team anyway. I mean, some of you may have dropped him already anyway. That's that's fine. I just, I'd be very curious to see where he winds up at before you go ahead and drop him. So just a little kind of side tidbit there. The number one pickup of the week, in my opinion, it's not Pacheco. It's not Latavius Murray. It's Rashad White. Rashad White, I guess because of the bye week, is still only 35% on on average out there. That blows me away. He was a starter. Even Leonard Fournette was healthy. He started the game in Munich, Germany, before Tampa Bay went on its bye week. We know Leonard Fournette picked up a hit pointer. Now, that may or may not keep him out this week. But there's a possibility, and even if it doesn't, Rashad White has a chance, according to all the beat writers covering this team, to be the starting running back the rest of the way because he's just more explosive than Leonard Fournette and gives them more. And they need weapons in a bad way in Tampa Bay. So Rashad White, I can't believe he's this widely available, but he should be the number one pickup of the week. And as always, I throw Alexander Madison in there, 24% owned. Dalvin Cook owners, please make sure you get your guy before something dire happens leading into the playoff weeks. Let's move to the wide receivers. I have a tight group in the wide receivers this week. But DPJ, one of them, 38% owned. Again, really looking forward to the potential upside that Deshaun Watson could bring him, especially unlocking maybe the ceiling with more big plays available to him. But in the meantime, he's been coming along nicely as a wide receiver, even with Jacoby Brissett. Finally gets into the end zone last week. 
has a pretty safe floor so far as his volume can share is concerned. So DPJ is a nice little pickup, I believe, for people moving forward. Of course, he's not my number one guy. My number one guy would be Traylon Burks, who's only 23% owned. I know he hadn't gone off before last week. <coughs> Excuse me? But as soon as he came off of IR, he should have been more than 50% owned. He should not be 23% owned. That's insane. Traylon Burks, and I've talked about this on Thursday, I talked about it on social media. He's a potential league winner. Everybody's so excited about Christian Watson. The guy I'd rather have the rest of the season is Traylon Burks. Because he has the chance to be the team's number one wide receiver the rest of the way. Who has big playability. Who has the big body type in the cold winter months when you don't want to tackle these guys. Who is, he's, he's a little bit raw in his own stand, right? But he's not nearly as raw as Christian Watson. Doesn't suffer from the same kind of drop problem that Watson does either. And like I said, with Watson, he's dealing with Randall Cobb being back in the mix. Alan Lazard being the number one receiver for that team more times than not. Burks, I believe, going forward will always, will not maybe 99.9% of the time, be the most targeted receiver for the Titans moving forward, week in, week out. And he's getting to play that A.J. Brown role now in the offense. Now he's back being healthy. You want to make the argument he's not A.J. Brown? Fine. But don't tell me he can't play that role. Don't tell me he doesn't have the physical skill set to play that role and do it well. So Traylon Burks better be the guy you're going after. I have Rashad White number one, but I'd have Traylon Burks number two as far as overall priorities trying to get out of the waiver wire this week if they're available. Darius Slayton's also an interesting name. So Wandale Robinson, unfortunately, he goes down with an ACL injury. Kenny Galladay is washed. We know this. And Richie James is nothing. I know there's about a, there's a lot of hoopla about OBJ potentially going back to the Giants. It, that doesn't make any sense to me because I think OBJ knows that even the Giants wind up making the wild card because they're shockingly 7-3 and three right now. This is not a team that's actually going anywhere in the playoffs. Let's not get it twisted. So, Darius Slayton, though, who's been pretty productive, actually, over the past few weeks anyway, he might be looking at a hell of a target share. He's this nice little spot start flex play and plus matchups moving forward now himself, who can actually hit the big play and get those big touchdowns. He's only 21% on on average. Sky Moore. Now, this is more situational. If Juju Smith-Schuster comes back this week, It'll be Juju, it'll be Deshaun, it'll be not, uh, Justin Watson, and it'll be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those would be the three starting wide receivers, in which case Sky Moore gets left out again. But if Schuster misses again, and I can already tell you we're not expecting Tony back, and Miko Harmon, of course, is on IR, Sky Moore gets to be the starting slot receiver going into the game next week. Sky Moore might be around our you know high-end wide receiver three territory if that's going to be the case. So keep that in mind. He's only 16% owned. The guy we counted out and had to leave, all of a sudden, he might be really fantasy relevant for week 12 at the at minimum. And then Van Jefferson. Uh, this is another one. I kind of put in the Sky Moore thing where maybe I'm not going after these guys during your Tuesday waiver wire period. Like Maybe I'm not putting in the priorities for them. Maybe I'm not putting in the fad budget for them. Because there's certain things you have to look for throughout the week to know if they're even going to be fantasy relevant. And Van Jefferson's case is at least either Stafford or John Walford going to be the quarterback. If one of those guys could be the quarterback, then I still kind of like Van Jefferson as a you know low-end flex play. Low-end spot start. Yes, Allen Robinson was the one who wound up with the touchdown, but Van Jefferson played more in the slot. And that's what I'm targeting when it comes to the Rams offense. If it's Wolford, I like him. He's the one who actually got Van Jefferson in his production when Cooper Cup got hurt. And of course, we like it if it's Matthew Stafford. But what we can't do, can't play anybody or trust anybody if it's going to be Bryce Perkins out there. So that that's what we have to wait to see. Now, as far as recording this, Matthew Stafford was being assessed as to whether or not he needs to enter the concussion protocol, but had not officially done so. So maybe they will ultimately wind up ruling saying, hey, you know what? He doesn't have a concussion, doesn't need to enter the protocol. Stafford actually might be okay. 
But if he does enter the protocol this week, I, my feeling is that he won't play because this will technically be the second time in three weeks that he'll be in concussion protocol. So that's the other interesting note there. But Walford does have a chance to come back too. So we'll have to wait to see if one of these quarterbacks can make their way back. Last but not least, tight ends. I only got two on my list. Because, I mean, every with tight ends, like, once you get past a certain point, like, outside the top six, they're all the same. But Greg Dolchich, I know it was disappointing. Wasn't great the past two weeks. But still 48% owned. Still a guy I'm going to have in my top 10 of tight ends. More weeks than not. I'd rather take a shot on him than the laundry list of guys in that same tier right now. So he's a guy you can go up and stream. And the other guy, I have to put him on the list just because of his playing time is Foster Moreau. But this is an emergency flex, this emergency spot start tight end streamer only. He has enough playing time, enough involvement in the offense that you at least know he's out there and has a chance to score a touchdown compared to some of these other guys. But he doesn't have the ceiling of a Darren Waller. He's never going to be featured within this offense. The whole offense roll revolves around Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. So you're playing him and praying for a touchdown. Plain and simple. That's going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we're going to likely do a Thanksgiving weekend special. We're going to preview the entire Week 12 in one long episode. It'll either be at 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night or be at 10 a.m. Eastern Thursday morning. Have not decided which one it'll be yet. Make sure you're following us along on social media at BillyMDFF Show. We'll be sure to let you know or subscribe to us on YouTube. That way you get notified that way too. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show on the go. And as always, I hope you guys have a lovely night and we'll see you soon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.